guys, it's Renee from Throwing Down with Renee and Misha. On this podcast, we give a little weekend recap. We talk UFC Vegas 56 and we get into hell in a cell. And we are joined by none other than Sam Roberts. Here we go. Let's get into a little UFC Vegas 56. How did you feel about this card? I mean, it wasn't, you know, necessarily a card to write home about, but, uh, you know, we can yeah. get into the main event uh, with uh, with Volkov and Rosenstrike. Well, it was a quick fight. Um, Rosen Rosenstrike never seemed to really get get like get going. I could only imagine fighting a six foot seven tall person with that Whew. massive reach on you has got to be difficult. Even to find partners that are so much taller, it's just it's a real thing to have somebody who can kind of be the size of the person. Whether you're fighting somebody who's a lot shorter than you or a lot taller than you, it's just different, and it's hard to mimic that body difference in body size. So I'm not exactly sure who he was able to get to try to mimic, but to no avail because Volkov went out there. Um, and he, when he landed that straight, right, he definitely, he definitely put a stinger on it and, and it yeah. hurt and Rosenstruck went down. Now the stoppage, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, um, far on, on the side of let the fights go until someone's, you know, absolutely yeah. need the referee to step in. Like we don't need parenting. This did That's not seem like, like no? the situation of like this was no white flag was thrown. Like, come on. We, sh- I feel like this should have kept going for sure. I think so too. I mean, give it a chance because you, you never know how somebody was going to recover. I mean, yes, he was hurt, but it's MMA. It's allowed to continue on the ground. There's no, here's the other thing. There's no standing eight count in MMA. So, so like in boxing, you know, somebody could step in and be like, okay, they need a second to, um, they need a second to recover, but in MMA there, you get one chance and one chance only. So if the referee gets involved, you're done. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure that maybe the outcome would have been different. I'm not saying that I'm definitely not wanting to take anything away from Volkov's win. However, I think that Rosenstrip just should have had the opportunity to like to recover and show because clearly as soon as the ref, like stepped in like he 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 ran you know he's running around like yeah we ran back to his feet and he stood up and he looked yes. fine you know sometimes it just Him takes and only Volk both kind of looked like they stopped and looked at each other like oh okay like don't you think the Volk kind of looked the same way too where he was like mm, all right we kinda, they both kind of threw their hands up yeah yeah exactly so I, I think the referee just got involved a little too quickly but you know it's it's one of those things I think what what her probably saw was was Rosenstruck, who had obviously been hurt by a right hand, and then he cut kind of covers and turns, but he wasn't like in a in, in a like a turtle position, like didn't want to stop. He was just trying to intelligently defend himself. So I guess it was misinterpreted as like um covering up to be done, whereas opposed yeah. to like he was covering just to try to not take the chop. But his other hand was planted and he was definitely on like trying to get back up. He wasn't yes. trying to curl and resign and continue momentum down. He's just trying to recover from being hurt. And that always sucks to see a fighter kind of have someone else determine the outcome. I'd rather be just no questions asked, you know, like we, sure. if I'm done, I am absolutely done. If I'm not, give me a chance. Right. I mean, there's comeback of the year. There's an award comeback of the year. Every year we talk about um, for a reason. Because sometimes you just think somebody is absolutely done and they have these miraculous comebacks and finish their, I mean, we're fighters, right? So yeah, I do think it was an early stoppage. 
I don't know. Volkov probably would have continued to braid and he probably would have won there, but we don't know unless we let the situation play itself out at least a few more seconds to see so what kind early of early on who would too. have swayed yeah. towards, you know, who would know. have swayed towards. We don't really know. Yeah, Volk said um, Rosenstruck was in a bad position. The referee stopped the fight. He was in a bad position. He took some hard punches, and he was a little bit knocked out. It's not my fault, but ask this of the referee, not me. I just did my job. I mean, it, uh, yeah, you can't put any of this blame on, no. on Volk at no, all. Volk looked at all. great. He looks great, and he had killer instinct up until the ref. He did his job. He went in there, and the, and, and the ref did his job too. It's just that I just think it was just a little too preemptive. I think it was a little bit too soon. But yeah, I'm not putting any blame on Volkov. You know, he looks great and congratulate him on a win. If I'm Rosenstruck, I get why he's upset. I totally understand. Did he have a comment too? He, I think he He did. did. What do you say about that? Yeah, I'm I'm going to grab that right now. Yeah, just to yeah. see exactly. So what I know he, he wasn't happy about it. And I, I know that he wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't. I And I get it. I wouldn't be either. Honestly, I really, I really wouldn't be. But so this is what Rosenstruck said. Yeah, he tweeted this out. He said, hi, everyone. I'm kind of confused on how the fight went. I'm disappointed that it was stopped. It definitely was a troubling situation, but I was far from giving up the fight. Did someone lay flat on the ground with his eyes shut? That's what we call a knockout. Alexander and I basically just started exchanging some heavy strikes, the stuff you all wanted to see. Um, I am big up to Volkov for taking the fight. Uh, I have no notable damage, and I'd like to fight again soon. So that stinks. That's yeah. a big old stinker right there. I was going to say, yeah, I'd be pissed. I would not, I would not be happy. I was pissed off when the ref stopped the fight, when I was fighting cats and Gano and I was a lot worse off to be honest. Like I'll, I'll yeah. be, I'll be honest. I mean, I had taken some knees to the face and my nose was broken and I was bleeding and I was doing everything that I could to fight back in that situation. And I was still pissed i was still mad that the ref stopped the fight so i mean if i'm rosenstruck right here i'm like i mean i'm livid i've got to be yeah I'm livid. <laughs> like I mean, how are you not fucking doing oh i wonder if that's one of those things that he wanted to watch back right away or he can't even like relive it right now just out of like the pure frustration that's got to be rough yeah, I, um, yeah, okay I, let's I Looking at more for the heavyweight division here. So pre-fight, Rosenstruck said that I didn't think that it was fair that UFC was looking to make an interim heavyweight title fight between Stipe and John Jones uh, because the rest of the division has been acti- active and keeping the division afloat. Where do you stand on that in terms of that interim fight being between Miocic and John Jones as opposed to the guys that have been in there grinding away? Uh I mean, it goes back to that whole thing of what do we think is, what do we think is really, um, fair. I I understand if you're not the two guys that are coming in that are, that are in that fight, you're going to be mad because the thing is, it's a very competitive division right now. It's really competitive. And there's more than one guy that you could argue a legitimate case as to why they should be next in line. And when you have that, it's, it's a great problem to have. I mean, the fans are in for a treat because the contenders are lined up. They're stacking up. That's the best problem to have in a division. However, um, it, it, in my book, it still makes sense to, to do John Jones and Stipe. I just think that that fight i mean also who doesn't want to watch that right that's what i'm saying give me that give the people what they want let's go it's about dollars sometimes you know exactly when you're talking about goat status you know these are names that come up consistently in that talk so 
you want that opportunity for that fight. Um, you don't want to miss that opportunity. It's been a long time since we saw John Jones fight, but he's always been extremely dominant. We've been waiting for his debut. Um, you know, if, if he comes, if he's changing weight divisions, regardless of where he's going, he left as the champion. The rightful thing is that he gets to come in and fight for sure. a title. You don't, you don't yeah. just, you know, he's not a number You're one. He's not back like, of the lining it. No, exactly. He's not. A, yeah, exactly. He's not back of the line. He's, he's coming in to fight for a title, not to fight for a number one contender spot. He's already asserted himself that with his long dominant reign at light heavyweight. And then Stipe, um, Stipe had one slip up. Other than that, I mean, we could argue that he's the greatest heavyweight of all time, most proven. So in the absence of the champion, that fight still makes sense to me. Um, yeah. So, so, so do some other people make sense to be number one contenders, but right now I, I'm not sad about it. Um, I think that's the rightful <laughs> fight to make. I'm sorry. I know maybe I'm being a little bit more of a fan than a sports enthusiast, you know, truism truest person over here, but yeah, but also, yeah, I mean, when you're talking like what's fair versus like, it's not like these guys are like some jobber guys that don't deserve to have this opportunity. Like these guys, yeah, you're talking goat status amongst John Jones and Stipe Miocic. Like how could somebody kind of sneeze at that? Give me. Yeah. I mean, how, how could you not? I, I just feel like obviously Stipe should be a part of the equation at some point and um and and obviously the other half of that if john jones is finally ready to do this then what are we waiting for do we yeah, not want go. this fight let's, do we not want to see this fight like what's going on like what are people so upset about let's get that beer out of stipe's hand from last time he was in the crowd and let's cue him up and throw some <laughs> yeah. hands let's go <laughs> yeah, um exactly. so last night Last night in the world of WWE, it was Hell in a Cell. Hell in a Cell is one of my, uh, I do love Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. I, I always really look forward to it. But it really delivered. I was really a big fan of this whole show. Um, it was one of those things kind of coming into it, especially for me, where like this past week I was like traveling with John. I was at the AEW shows. I went to Double or Nothing. I was at Dynamite. I was at, uh, you know, I was at kind of everything. So I was feeling a touch wrestling doubt. So I was like, all right, well, let's put on a little Hell in a Cell. And it was great. I had a ton of fun watching it. Um, the big takeaway, because I know that giant bruise holy smokes okay i'm really excited to get into this because there's plenty to unpack cody rhodes the prodigal son has returned to wwe i would say with a chip on his shoulder but i just feel like he you know wanting to to prove himself he tweeted out love of the game uh prior to going into this match at hell in a cell once the news had broken that he was that he had torn his pectoral muscle um Everyone was sort of going nuts on the old Twitter machine, wondering, is this for real? Is Has he actually torn his, has his pack? What's going on? Till we get to the entrances, Seth comes out in his polka dot gear, uh, of course, picking at um, Dusty Rhodes to, to get under the skin of Cody Rhodes. Cody comes out in his big jacket, takes it off, and everybody takes this gasp of like, holy shit, just bruised all the way down his arm, obviously all across his chest. This is a real torn peck, people. Um, and the the fact realest that went, shit I have seen in pro wrestling in a minute. I'm just saying. But, okay, fine. People wrestle, and I'm sure you see this in your line of work as well, where people sometimes go into battle, wounded. Well, maybe they shouldn't. What is your take on that? 
there's like the hero status of like, oh, shit, this guy went in there and got the job done. He got the win. They put on a great match. I don't know how the hell he got through that match. Or should he have gone, oh, maybe I should sit this one out. Well, I think it's individual choice. If you felt like he could do it, that's just, that's my opinion. I mean, it's a, it's, it, I mean, it's a career that you have to kind of manage through bumps and bruises. Now this is obviously an extreme case, but mm-hmm. if he thought he could do it, I mean, who, who, I, who's here's what I don't get shouldn't, though. Well, I mean, the medical team should step in and go, actually you should, because I, I you like, I get it. I get what you're saying 100%. And I understand how, how the boys and the girls are in the locker room when, like, you work injured. I get it. Um, but when it's something that's so visible and we know, like, how does that reflect back on the company that they agree and let that to go? Well, that would be a question I would be asking you. That's interesting because I look at this as an athlete, like, you know, sure. should, like, because doctors and stuff sometimes are more annoying in these situations than anything when it's like look I know what I'm capable of you're basing this on like standard people like I'm not a standard person like I can do like crazy shit that you have no idea and you don't know me and you don't know what I'm capable (laughs) of yeah it pisses me off sometimes to have these limitations set by these quote-unquote medical experts which is like Look, docs, if I have, if I have a problem, I'll come to you to fix me, but don't tell me what I am and and I'm not capable of. So that's my mentality. However, there's also the side, there's also the side too, of like, maybe it, the damage was as like, it was as damaged as it could be wrestling. That match may not have made it worse. The damage was already done. So if you can go in there and still put on the main event, there's asses in seats. It's a sold out all state arena. Well, here's the, yeah, the thing is, if it's a completely torn peck, which that is, looks to be exactly what it was with that kind of damage, it's not, you know, 10%, it's not 50%, it's 100% torn, you're not going to make it worse. You're not going to tear it more. It's it's completely torn. So you're going to have to have surgery and he's going to have a long recovery that he probably won't be able to actually um, train and, and, and compete at that time because it needs to heal back together, but like you're to your point, it's, it's as bad as it was going to get. So um, maybe this was kind of his last hurrah before he probably has surgery to try to reconnect it. Which really guts me when you think of like the grand leap that this man took to go, I'm going to go back to WWE. I've gone out, I've grinded, I've proved myself. I'm coming back. I am that guy. They have, they have put that cart on that pony. They're ready to go with faces all over everything. They've got a Cody Rhodes countdown clock every night on Monday night raw to them being like, got to sit out for how, I don't know how long it takes to heal a peck like that. How long does that take? Do you know? I don't know either. No, I don't actually. Cause Johnny never had the surgery. His is just, it's still not disconnected. six weeks though. I'll tell you that there's, no, that's not a not. Yeah, No tissue stuff takes a long time to heal. So it's muscle though. So that should heal faster than if it was like a ligament or anything. So it actually might not be too long, but I don't know what long is in the, in the pro wrestling world. Like, you know, for, for fighters and fighting, it's almost like every week you're kind of, um, on to the next, you know, and, and you feel like in three months, a lot can be forgotten. But I mean, is there a way that even with surgery, like in the pro wrestling world, can he stay active on the mic? Can he still be coming in? And like, I mean, sure. I'm sure there's out. some kind of, I feel like that doesn't happen all that often, but 
I'm sh- you know, there always could be some kind of a scenario where, yes, he's still cutting promos. Maybe he's on commentary. Uh, who knows? Keep him on media. Keep him out doing stuff. Um, before we get into that, though, I actually want to go because on Busted Open, they did bring in a legit pro, a doctor to, to break down everything that happened with Cody. So it was Dr. David Chow. He was on Busted Open this morning, discussed whether or not um, he would have given Cody the OK to perform or not. Let's uh, hear that. Would you have given Cody the thumbs up to perform last night? Well, of course, with the hypothetical, it depends. If Cody said, I want, first of all, that bruising ecchymosis, the hematoma indicates that it just didn't happen yesterday. It happened a week or so ago, plus minus, okay? Uh, Plus minus there. Would I have given him the go ahead? Is it the safest thing in the world to Look, enter a wrestling ring. No. Is it the safest thing in the world to enter a wrestling ring with a torn pec? No. But can it be done with informed consent, with minimal, if any, risk to him, especially in a scripted situation, although very dynamic situation? I think it was safe to do. And if he understood what I was saying, I would have given him approval with fair warning. Look, we all know riding a motorcycle is more dangerous than being in a car, but being in a car is not 100% safe either. But if he chose to wrestle, yeah, it's kind of like riding a motorcycle. You got to be careful, but it is more dangerous uh, in that situation. Well, it's a green light for me. Um, <laughs> if you guys yeah, want to hear, that's the kind of doctor you want to have in your corner. It's right? Like, yeah, it, it is. It's like calculated yeah. risk. That's what he's talking about. Yeah. Calculated risk is the risk worth worth the reward. Does he know that there's a pending surgery coming that might take him six months plus to, you know, to be out of it? And was it important for him to have this kind of this yeah. match before that? I mean, and Can I yes, think when you say like it's make- a risk is the risk worth the reward? I think when you look at that piece of work, what Cody went out and did, I I can't just say what Cody went out and did. Let's also give Seth Rollins his flowers for this, because when you're in the ring working with an injury like that, and you know that you are in perhaps the best hands in the business, Seth protected him. Seth did such a beautiful job. Seth is one of the absolute best to, to do it. So kudos to both of them for being able to do what they did. Um, but yeah, I feel like the risk was worth well, the reward for him. Yeah. And I'm sure that they were able to correlate something that would kind of mitigate some of that um, pressure and use of the pectoral muscle in that arm. You know, I'm sure if I went back and watched the match, um, I'd probably be like, oh, okay, this is what they did. And I see how they were kind of avoiding and how they moved around. And you know what? Of- I kind of thought that watching it too. And I was like, how much did they really? Cause they were still, I mean, really? they were doing pins on it. They like Cody's finisher that he does is like this, like hooked under arm, like spinning thing that like, like you can't avoid any, like, it. Noticeable pain at any point. Oh yeah. Oh, and taking lashes from a belt on top of this torn pack, like. Holy, I can't even think of. Here's I what I was thinking about watching it, it though. Before that, which that's kind of like, ooh, that's, yeah. that's, a, that's always a little scary because then you don't know if you're hurting it worse. I would prefer right. as an athlete to kind of be aware of it, but um, but also what I what I do the way that that we fight, you know, I mean, it's just a totally different scenario, yeah. right? Then yeah, then that situation. Oh my god, it's crazy. I will say though, watching it, um. And my husband does a lot of crazy, crazy shit in the ring. I would have been. What did he think of it? If that was him. 
pretty much what we're saying here where it's like, holy shit, you went out and you did that. Like both him and I, before we put it on, we're like, is this real? Did he really tear his peck? And then both of us, as soon as he took off his jacket, we were like, oh my God. Um, but I so yeah, I mean, would do the same thing. Respect. I don't know. I, I don't know. 100% well. he would have. Well, yeah. John wrestled with a torn tricep for, God, I don't, I don't even know, maybe Three months might be a stretch, but he did to in his defense and in WWE's defense, they did not know that it was a torn tricep at the time, but he was working with it torn for some time and seeing the pain that he was in with that all the time. Like, Ooh, good God. So I don't know how Cody's feeling today, but it cannot be good. I can't even imagine the, what the reaction was like in gorilla when those guys walked to the back after having that match. I mean, that was definitely a Vince out of his chair round of applause for everybody involved in, in, uh, on top of that as well. I mean, so we, we got into the Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins stuff, but we also need to talk about the women who opened the show with, uh, Becky Lynch, uh, Oscar and Bianca Belair. They had a triple threat for, for the raw women's championship. And it was so good. These women tore it up as we know that they will I mean when you're talking Becky Lynch Asuka and Bianca Belair they just absolutely crushed it they're on another level it was so fun to watch I'm so happy to have Asuka back in the mat er, back in the mix with all of them as well I think having her absence um from some of these storylines was definitely missed for me so I'm super happy to see her back in the mix with them and god I mean Bianca Belair what a I just what a mega star that chick is. I feel like she should just continue to be pushed to the moon. She's such an insane athlete, like a great spokesperson for the company. You could put that chick on anything and she's going to crush it. Um, just yeah. so impressed with what they did. Did you get to see any of the, the women's fight at all? Just a little bit of the fight? highlights. I saw the highlights yeah. and they look damn good. They look yeah. really good. Well, they're representing. They look really good. And I agree about Bianca she's an animal she's, she's an a absolute machine yeah and she's yeah. yeah she's delivering in big ways so kudos to her um, I, and all the I, ladies all of them and also i want to give another quick kudos here because this six person tag match i also thought was awesome when we had judgment day taking on aj styles finn balor and uh Liv morgan i love that team as well i love both of those teams i think yeah. all of them are like interesting unique pairings um i love the way that the match started with like finn and aj popping live up and she turned yeah. into hurricane rana um it was really really great but yeah I th- that whole match was just super entertaining to watch for me i love rhea ripley obviously edge um yeah i can't say enough good things about everybody that was in that match it was a ton of fun to watch i love when a pay-per-view is good to watch let me just put that out there i mean i guess we all do but i feel like wrestling can be such a yeah that's all we want but wrestling's such a weird fickle thing where i sometimes like people almost like hate watch something to like just be like i want to pick this apart and blah 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 it's nice when people can just go yeah fuck that was pretty good (laughs) it's nice to just enjoy something that's oh, interesting, different concept because in in a way it, you get to plan it out, but the delivery is so the expect, expectation of delivery, I'm sure, is very mm-hmm. high. But where whereas with MMA, um, it's comp- you don't know what you're gonna get. It's a crapshoot. You could have like a lot of yeah. great fights. You get a lot of finishes. You could have like not, but you have no idea. And so maybe there's a maybe a little more pressure in the sense that like it's like come on, you guys couldn't think this through better. You couldn't like put these matches. Sure. You you know, like there's a lot of, uh, 
Oh, Blame yeah. To placement of matches, like what the flow is going to be, yeah. what commentary sounds like. Like there's all these different moving parts that can just make. Um, oh, point for my God. To feel good too, right? Always. I mean, for it to interesting and yeah. to keep the attention and live up to all the expectations. Yeah. Um, also, just before we move on, uh, I do want to give credit to Corey Graves as well. Um, one of the best commentators ever to do it in WWE. And I thought he did such an awesome job throughout the show, but specifically in that main event. I mean, the dude is like off the top of his head, poetic. The way he just has his phrasing down and the words he uses is truly a thing of beauty. So good job, Graves. You did it. Hi, everyone. I'm Hall of Fame sportscaster Leslie Visser, and I've got a new podcast, In Conversation, where I'll draw from 45 years of covering the Final Four, the NBA Finals, Wimbledon, the World Series, the Super Bowl, the Olympics. CBS even sent me to the fall of the Berlin Wall. I think you'll enjoy the give and take, so subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts or listen on the SXM app included in most subscriptions. From Sirius XM, Jim Norton, Sam Roberts show, Not Sam Wrestling Podcast, of course, from WWE, Sam Roberts. Hi. Hey, thanks for having me. The best of the best. I like you. I'm a fan. <laughs> I, I also like that you said the best of the best, and then you said from Jim Norton and Sam Roberts, which means that Jim Norton and Sam Roberts is the best, but I'm the best <laughs> of the two. And now you're, you're the best of the best. You're also the best of the best. So, so you've right. really leveled up here. This is great. This is great. Yeah. Um, what else was great was Hell in a Cell last night. It was an awesome pay-per-view. Good God, Cody Rhodes with that peck. What is your take on the injury, working through the injury, the fan reaction to Cody working through this? There's a lot to unpack, and I'm not even close to done to talking about this. I just, as I think you probably know, I like, I love when wrestlers are as kind of passionate about the whole thing as we are, like as I am as a fan, when I can tell that like this is about the story that's being told and conveying this story. And I feel like that all, you, it all kind of started when he like slowly took off his ring jacket. Oh. And like, you just see like this bruise just never ends. And you're never like, ended. like, because you know, like the size of Texas. Honestly. <laughs> yes, I, no, <laughs> terrible. And then, and then, and then you go like, oh, so I guess he's gonna like introduce somebody, or there's gonna be some like surprise debut, or he's just like he put on the tights just to sh save face, <laughs> and like you know what, that's more than I would have done. Good for Cody. And then he's like, no, I'm gonna go ahead and do a 20 minute Hell in a Cell classic. Like this is what I was thinking oh about, right? God. First. There's that one spot in the match where he's laying on the table and Rollins goes for the frog splash and, 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 he, and he moves, so way. Rollins took the table. And my first response yeah. was like, oh, that makes sense because Cody's hurt. But then I was like, can you imagine having a torn peck and rolling <laughs> off a table? Like just, just rolling so off things. the table and falling. I was like, ah! From like from the multiple crossroads to oh. being lashed with the belt. I mean, there were so many moments that like, you you know, watching that match and knowing going into it that Cody's injured. You're like, all right, they're going to work around it, et cetera, et cetera. But I was like, are they? <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. 
<laughs> it really freaked me out. Um, and I, I think a lot of credit for this obviously goes to Cody having uh, balls of steel, but also to Seth Rollins for being one of the absolute best out there uh, because you would not put yourself in that situation with just anybody. Um, so the fact that it was with Seth, with Seth, I think, speaks volumes to uh, to him as a worker. Yeah, Wait, and that's the like worker. The, sorry, as, a, as one of the boys, the fact that, that <laughs> <laughs> the fact that that story though was told, right? The fact, like, like yeah. it takes a special person to tell that story with Cody in the position that he's in, and to kind of know how to reshape the match into yes. into something that will work for a guy that's got one arm. And Hell in a Cell matches can be tricky, too. I mean, there's so many times that, like, yeah, they're tricky of, like, how can you outdo the last one and difference? I mean, look at all the ones that Seth has been in. You know, he's had he's been in ample Hell in a Cell matches, so I think this one with Cody is definitely going to be one that sticks with us for a long, long, long time. How do you feel about the polka dots? Oh, uh, I just love this, like, trolling era of <laughs> Seth that, like, he went out, I think it was at the Rumble when he went out for his match with Roman and he was wearing shield gear and he comes out for the match with Cody knowing, knowing what Cody's going through and that's going to be the story. And he still got the tank top and he even had the kick pads that were decorated like Dusty's boots. And it's like, it's just so like he, he just that I, I love stories. That's why I love wrestling so much. It's my mm -hmm. favorite storytelling mechanism in the world. And I, and I just felt like from the time Cody, uh, uh, Seth came out with the polka dots on to Cody coming out and showing the injury to that, that final scene of Cody kissing the mat, because that's what he did this all for. And, 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 and graves on commentary talking about the, the so fallen good. angel with the broken wing descending oh my into God. hell. And I'm like, this This guy. son of a bitch with these words. Give me a break. It was so good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so my question is here. I obviously do not come from the pro wrestling world. So I, I you know, the way that athletes in my field handle injuries is like, Duh, we still we just compete like torn bicep whatever you know it's like I mean if you can get if you can get in there and compete you're gonna do it but my question is with the different promotions and this is like a genuine question like does this reflect negatively on anybody for letting this happen I mean if they get was jaw dropping the gasp probably could be heard audibly around anybody watching this pro wrestling event because it was such a shocking scene and like overall was this a good idea for him to do this or receive this like a bad idea? I think it was, a, I mean, I, for me as a fan, I think it was a great idea. Like yeah. I, I, I kind of, I, I think a lot of people are exploring that, right? And going yeah. like, because you know, you feel for your performers and you want their health to be good and everything. But at the same time, I don't like taking on responsibility that's not mine. Yeah. And as like somebody who's watching, I kind of just put the trust in the performers and the people that handle the performers to know where that line is. And and for me, the fact that Cody was willing to do it, you know, all the I seen a doctor on YouTube that said you couldn't have made like the injury was as bad as it was going to get. Right. Once it's torn right. off the bone, like it's it's torn. And if you can deal with that yeah. in that moment, then you can deal with that. And I just I just think it added such a layer of real drama to the situation. And I mean, I, ju I just felt like Cody left a forever 
hero. Like if it's so hard to be yeah. a baby face in 2022, like it's impossible. <laughs> and it's just there's no way that you can justify booing Cody forever. Well, Cody's not getting any heat here. And I, I agree complete with what you're saying. Is anybody getting any heat? Is there anybody anybody? Are we pissed off at anybody? Is what? How's the pro wrestling? Who are we mad at? Who can we get mad at? <laughs> Let this poor man go out there and do the job. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 it depends on your perspective, right? Like, I'm not mad. I'm I. Not only am I not mad, I'm like this was great because yeah, it was like a really good pay per view, but it wasn't a story yeah. heavy pay per view, right? It was a match sure. wrestling heavy pay per view. So the fact that like. I left with this match that had this deep story behind it that was, this is on the list of forever Hell in a Cell matches. If Cody comes out and says, hey, I shouldn't have been in there and they forced me to, then I'm like, hey, now I got someone to be mad at. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. otherwise you're just a guy who's like, well, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I never would have let that happen. Yeah. Um. This is not a part of the interview, but Sam, I just hit you up in the chat on this Zoom. Take a look at yeah, it. Yeah, so this this <laughs> okay. secret nod is for you. That's oh, a yes. I wasn't sure if that was to me or not, or if you were talking to me. <laughs> that was an old radio trick. Like, what are you going to come out of here? Well, I thought you were talking to Misha and giving a head nod, so I wasn't 100% sure. Okay, good. All right. So, that being said, um, while we're sticking with injuries, having um, CM Punk now having to, I, I guess, relinquish the AEW uh, championship due to the injury, he's got to go have surgery. Now there's going to be an interim champ thrown into the mix. Um, what is your reaction to, to what's kind of happened over there with Punk? Well, I mean, that's like that whole thing. When I talk about stories, like those were the two things I did on my, I was like recording my podcast at like midnight last night after Hell in a Cell, just trying to do <laughs> yeah. all this stuff. Cause I go, I go so like, I, I think about wrestling a lot as, as you know, but like <laughs> I know this, the, the stories that are happening right now with, with, with Cody and, and, and his peck and Seth and everything. And then the story's going on over there with, with punk and like these real injuries that are, that are, being weaved into like actual stories being told, you know, yeah. like yeah. we watch yeah. AEW and, and we see MJF is on there dropping pipe bombs, complaining oh about about favoritism CM Punk has. And I felt like when I was watching CM Punk kind of announce his injury, there was all this other stuff that I felt like it was weaved in there. Like like when he goes, there's plenty of other people in the back that could be AEW champion. And he mentioned uh, your favorite wrestler, John Moxley. And he mentioned Brian Danielson. And that was it. And I'm like, I know that guy only mentioned former WWE guys. And then he goes, and I, I, I was willing to relinquish the title, but now I don't have to. And, and I go, well, that's favoritism right there. And I, I and, and then my mind starts going crazy. I'm, I'm Zach Galifianakis, like uh, uh, watching all the <laughs> equations go through my head going like, yeah, it's a real injury, of course, but. But it's completely being weaved into this story, I think, that that we're kind of watching unfold. Now, that's the that's the other question, right? Like, are we mad about Cody wrestling? No. There's also this question on the Internet. Like, are the boys in AEW, are they working in the locker room? What's going on over there? And are we mad about that? And again, as a fan of you wrestling mean with the MJF stuff, with the MJF stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not mad about it, but I'm I'm not in the locker room. Well isn't it but if, 
I mean, locker room aside, it's funny how much everyone really wants to put everything under the microscope and they want to know more information rather than just like, why can't we just sit back and enjoy this? Whether it's a work or a shoot, whatever, like, why can you not just appreciate? Everyone wants to say MJF, put him up on this pedestal. Look how great he is. Look how talented he is. He's great on the mic. He's great in the ring. He's got all these amazing attributes. Um, Why can we not just enjoy that and see how the story unfolds anyways, as opposed to being like, well, what happened backstage? I heard that he left the building right after that. There was a flight booked out of Vegas for him. He missed his meet and greet. All of these little things that I know add to make things more interesting anyways, but it is funny to me how we can't just merely enjoy something. Yeah, and I also feel like as wrestling fans, like especially with everybody having, you know, Twitter accounts and everything, you have to have a take right away. As soon as you see it, oh, like, what's my your take? God. What's your take? And you give out your take. And if you realize that you got duped, if you realized you were fooled, like <laughs> if you were sitting there on, on Sunday going like, that chick WWE. got screenshotted. Right. And then, and then, so, and then instead of being like, oh, wrestling did what it was supposed to do, it got me, you get mad yeah. because you got duped. <laughs> yeah. But that's why we watch is to get duped. I, I, I want to think that Cody's not going to compete. And then he starts his match. I want to think that oh, I love MJF. being duped. It's the best. Being duped <laughs> is the best. This is the real reason why I can't become a real fan of this. I don't think you don't want to be duped. Get into the dupe, Nisha. Get into the dupe. It's it's literally it's my least favorite question when I'm watching wrestling. Is that real? Like, shut up. Shut up. What do you mean? Is that real? It's the show. Just watch the show. What difference does it make? Agreed. Do you feel the need to jump on and have that hot take all the time? Because like you just said, we've all got our Twitter accounts. We've all got our phones up while we're watching whatever show. Do you feel the need to like always be a part of that conversation as it's happening? No, I think nothing screams mental illness at me more than somebody who tweets a lot. Uh, And so I don't want to fall into that category. No, I don't feel the need. Like, I feel like I got a radio show too much. No, you're good. And plus, your tweets oh, are not like hot take God. tweets. You're like, no, hey, this is just a, a quirky, witty little thing I had in my mind. And I'm like, yeah, that's a fun <laughs> thing to do with this technology. But I mean, like watching the show and being like, that's the wrong move. That's the right move. That's the wrong move. And it's like, how would you, you don't even know what the move is? You don't know why. You don't know why these things are happening. So, no, I, I feel like. I got my podcast. I got my radio show. I got my YouTube shows. I have all these like places to communicate my thoughts. Like after the punk and MJF stuff, I literally over the weekend wrote a six page essay trying to figure out this story that was happening. And then I just went on my podcast and read the essay. That's the level (laughs) of psychotic. Did you write the essay just as like a word doc or did you publish this word this, essay? No, I, it, I just have it. This is the essay. I just, no, it's not published anywhere. I just had all these thoughts. As, and- as a man with two children and a, a family <laughs> at home, how do you have time to write this essay? <laughs> my, my wife, like I'll, I'll, I'll usually explain to my wife what's on my mind after. Like I'm like, I'm going to go do this. And she was, she'll go. I'm sure she I loves knew- that. I knew something was up. I knew I knew something was going on because it's like the alternative is I'm going to be that meme where I'm talking to her about. Yeah. And then everybody thinks it's a work, but I don't think it's a work. I think it's a shoot. And, but, and she's like, I don't 
care? Like, why would you? Why would you tell me all this? So I have to. I have to write it. <laughs> hey, you got to exercise those demons one way or the other, right? Get it out. Get it Pen out. To paper. Get it out. Yes. <laughs> So let me ask a little bit, switching gears then, um, let me ask a little bit about the the triple threat. Bianca, Becky, Asuka, what did uh, you think of that? Give me a little breakdown. Okay, so I love that because, like, there was this point in the middle of the match where Becky and Asuka were trading near falls and trading submissions, and you're like, oh, like, this is this could legitimately be taken off Bianca without her being involved. It was like the display of the triple threat. And I love that like- Classic triple threat. Yes. And like WWE is, is is like they, they do this finish in the triple threat a lot where the heel runs in and takes advantage of somebody else's finish to get the quick pinfall and go and win. But this time they flipped it on its head and, and then the hero, Bianca Belair did that. She jumped in, stole the pin and won. And I, I felt like- Again, getting back to the stories, it's like when you're looking at that Bianca Belair character, it's like you're watching somebody who's now growing and is like, you know, learning as she's becoming a champion. She's like, how do I win this match? Not how do I have the spot of the night or how do I be the most heroic person? It's no, I got I got two of the fiercest competitors in the WWE in there with me. How do I win this match? And if it means stealing a pin, I'm stealing it. I'm keeping the title. You do what you got to do. They absolutely, uh, what a great way to open the show. They absolutely crushed it. Um, Such a fan of all of them. I was saying earlier, like, I love having Asuka back in the mix. All right, Sammy, it's been great to have you on here. We got to take a little break, Ski, but always good to see you. Always good to get your your hot takes. And send me that essay. I want to give it a read. I will send it to you. (laughs) I want to give it a (laughs) once-over. Throwing Down with Renee and Misha is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The show is produced by Michael Russo and Kelly Murphy. Sound designed by Nari Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts.